Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. Guys, first of all, I want to say a big thank you. We've uh, we've managed to crack up even further into the US charts. Uh, pretty much un, 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 uh, officially puts us as the highest ranking crypto show in the world right now. So I just want to say a massive thank you to all of you, the listeners, those that are leaving reviews that are putting comments, uh, that are doing all of that. I really appreciate it. Would love you to continue to share it with your friends, family, Slack groups, Discord groups, te- you know, all, all your Telegram, everything. Because if you like the show, then more people in your group will probably like it as well. And what it allows me to do is get more far-reaching guests like the one that I've got today. I have Jamie Skeller with me from Horizon State. And uh, for a start, thank you very much, Jamie, for being on the show, mate. Great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, now, Jamie is a part of a project here in Australia called Horizon State, as you probably guessed. And um, look, I, I won't say too much, but I'll, I'll sort of hand over to you. If you could just give the uh, the listeners a bit of an understanding for uh, what Horizon State does and, and, and what you do, mate. Sure. Uh, look, uh, I guess a, a bit of a top of the tail, especially for those people who are listening who aren't familiar with the project. Um, this all got going around about two and a half years ago when I started um, working with the founder of a, of a democratic movement in Australia called um, My Vote, uh, and that founder was Adam Jacoby. And um, they had a pretty rock-solid constitution design uh, in regards to how they would improve the way that society organizes itself and the way that we govern ourselves. Um, but there were a bunch of challenges that needed to be solved quite desperately um, because part of their model entailed being able to engage with a constituency and do so frequently and with immediacy and with regularity. And this basically meant that you really had to start thinking about how to use the internet. Um, Now, of course, the internet um, inherently, at least from the perspective of voting, seems like something that would be incredibly insecure. It doesn't matter whether you are tech savvy or or not. Um, The idea that you would vote on the internet sounds like lunacy. Uh, But uh, there's a lot of turmoil happening around the world right now and people are looking for brand new solutions to help solve some of their political problems. Um, and, you know, in tech, timing is everything. And it just so happens that this great new technology sort of hit the scene at around the same time. So we, we really got to work on this problem um, at a quite advantageous moment in history where, because of the blockchain research I was doing, I thought we might have a crack at trying to retrofit a blockchain transaction to represent the vote. Um, and it would share all the same sort of properties that that a Bitcoin transaction would, which is that it's you know immutable and irreversible. Um, it's perfectly accountable and transparent and ultimately provides trust in a trustless system. Um, and so by building out a, a sort of digital ballot box, I suppose, using this tech, we arrive at a place where um, we have a tamper-proof or an unhackable uh, record of the result, uh, an unhackable ballot box. And so this is a, a big deal. It's, uh, it's the first time in history that anything have, has been possible uh, of this nature. And uh, so that's that's sort of where Horizon State came about. Um, you know, as as much as I am personally aligned with uh, my vote and their political ideology and the mission they're on, um, who are having some great success overseas, um, really we felt like this tech could be applied to lots of other places uh, for lots of great, uh, meaningful outcomes. So over the course of the last twelve months or so, we uh, rolled out the tech for my vote. And we started on a mission to raise some money through a token sale. And we also started attracting the interest of enterprises for things such as shareholder voting, NGOs for things such as community engagement. Um, And we've got a a big deal um, happening over in in Indonesia at the moment, which I'll talk a little bit more on later. 
um, and of course the governmental applications. So councils using it to engage residents and uh, larger governments using it to actually run their voting processes and uh, potentially election processes as well. So that's sort of where we're at. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a whirlwind. Well, guys, you heard it first. So you have more information about uh, a little scoop there on Indonesia. We'll cover that in more detail later. We'll definitely be asking Jamie more on that. Um, but look, one of the things I find um, that is really quite fascinating here, and thank you for that introduction there, Jamie. I think that was a very good one as to what you're trying to achieve within the project. But I mean, I think what a lot of people forget and, and miss the point of is that blockchain is blockchain. It's not just a cryptocurrency. There's a lot more to the space, a lot more to the technology than just you know trying to shaft the banks effectively, which I think is where we sort of started and where a lot of the uh, the market participants nowadays, uh, especially the ones that were in sort of pre-July of last year, that was kind of the consensus that they were after. Now, with your project, Horizon State, which is the HST token, um, what I find truly interesting is that it covers two things, uh, cryptocurrency for one or blockchain or crypto assets, whichever way you want to look at it. I, I would class this as a crypto asset uh, using the blockchain. And um, essentially what you're looking to do here is use that to better human nature, human beings, human process, the democratic process that we have, have in our lives at the moment. But there's two sides to it. So one side is the uh, the democratic process, the, you know, the IE, let's try and make the world a better place, which is you know, a part of crypto, no doubt, and part that we do certainly love on this show. But also there is the capitalism side of it. I mean, uh, I've heard talk from your ICO that it, it performed uh, phenomenally well. Um, I don't know what the performance exactly was, and I don't know if you want to discuss it. I don't think, don't think it has any merit really to the success of the project. What I'm getting at is that when you look at good projects that actually use the underlying technology in a, in a sensible way, i.e. it is better on the blockchain, it has a reason to exist. This is not just a cash grab. When you align the use case on the blockchain with the fundamental um, outcome being more positive, however that may be, in this case, it's a democratic process. Um, I'm assuming you'll, you'll discuss how it makes voting cheaper and that sort of stuff. But if you align two things together and, and truly understand what the blockchain is there for and, and how a project can give back to that, I think that's where you can get your big gain. So being intelligent and understanding the underlying business and why it's on the blockchain can give you those, uh, the capitalism side of it, which you know, you're either in crypto for, to make money, you're in crypto to change the world, and for a lot of people, you're hoping to do both. So I think this is a really good example of that. Look, um, a few things, a few points to cover, I think. One is that undoubtedly the uh, the advent of cryptocurrency, specifically currency, so not the broader crypto asset class, but cryptocurrency specifically is is a, is a watershed moment for uh, for societal progress. It's going to mean more and more as time goes on, uh, primarily because we've arrived at a point in time um, where, especially in developing nations, cash is, is fading away, it's fading fast. Now, if, if cash fades, which is effectively just a poorer man's Bitcoin, it's effectively a peer-to-peer -peer trading system uh, with anonymity, then we wind up in a world where all of our money is stored with banks digitally. Um, but then in actual fact, what happens is we have no direct or explicit control over that. We no longer really own that money. We don't really control the flow of it. Uh, and we, we sort of engage in um, a sort of an Orwellian future, a surveillance culture um, where Everything um, has a gatekeeper, whether that's a bank or a government, some kind of institution. Everything we do with our money will be seen and we'll never actually have any self-sovereignty over that money because cash is fading. So big, big deal. Um, and I think you know the advent of crypto because of this reality has sort of happened just in time to, to avoid that uh, unfortunate reality. So I, I think um, 
obviously, it's a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal uh, so far as finance is concerned. It's a big deal so far as technology is concerned. But for me personally, uh, the, the most exciting stuff is actually happening elsewhere in the crypto asset landscape. So the utilization of this technology um, and the utilization of crypto assets to actually improve lots of other pieces of our lives, to disintermediate, to decentralize, to improve the status quo. Um, and in our case, to be able to utilize blockchain technology to secure votes or records of results in unprecedented ways. Um, and it's funny, I was speaking at a, um, a young president's organization event, a Green Dot hosted, Deloitte Green Dot hosted uh, dinner in Adelaide a week or so ago. And I was talking there with a, um, a few gentlemen who were, uh, they were investors amidst the sort of dot-com boom and the dot-com bust. And they made some money and they lost some money. But something they're struggling with in crypto at the moment is that in, in the late 90s, these companies, the use case was always clear to anybody. It doesn't matter if you were young or you were old, the use case was clear. And it's easy to go, well, that's an idea. It makes sense to have that idea on this internet thing. Uh, but there are too many ideas, uh, which don't get me wrong, might not be bad ideas, but they are over many people's heads. And so I think people trying to understand blockchain and understand the blockchain opportunity, um, they they are particularly receptive to what we're doing uh, because these guys, uh, you know, with, without a question in their mind, go, okay, I get it. This voting thing makes more sense in the blockchain. There's no if, buts, or maybes. This is an application that just makes sense. So. You know, that's, uh, it's obviously good to hear so far as us uh, propagating and advocating um, the importance of, of crypto and of blockchain, but also good for us so far as um, the partners and investors and customers that we're able to attract as well, because it's easier to understand than some potential other use cases. Well, I think that's absolutely right. And I mean, uh, the listeners to the podcast, uh, you'll if you're sitting there scratching your head right now going, Horizon State, how do I... How have I heard of this before? It's probably because I do actually use it as an example uh, for use cases outside of just purely the currency solution that we're looking at across the board. Because uh, you know this audience is very broad. We have people from all over the world, and um, obviously with the audience comes different levels of understanding. I don't want to ever take it for granted that everybody already knows something. I always try and make it so. I always try and break things down nice and easy for people to understand. And I think. What you have done, uh, obviously not by purpose, it just so happens that it works very well, um, is you know, with voting on the blockchain and that, um, that unhackable uh, transparency, that really is, uh, is a topic that, uh, that I, I certainly use it as my example because it just fits so well. So um, you've done a very well, good I job there. I quickly touch on another comment you had as well, which was in regards to the for-profit nature of, of our business. So what the mm. blockchain startups are getting going as foundations. Um, and in fact, uh, not only in the blockchain space, but historically, people trying to do what we're doing or, or take steps forward in the political arena and in um, uh, our democratic processes, um, there have been many not-for-profit and, and, and foundation-type uh, attempts at this. So, A, we believe, um, like in many situations in many industries, um, having a for-profit en- enterprise actually provides the, the best shot uh, for, uh, for, the, for your objective to, to achieve that success. Um, and, and we're firm believers um, in that mission. So, look, um, for those of you who might be potentially a little bit sceptical of the businesses that are coming out and, and actually being for-profit businesses, I think it's also important to uh, recognize that the, the blockchain itself is, is a broad agnostic piece of technology. It can be applied in lots and lots of ways for lots of different purposes. Um, there are some incredible, um, incredibly philosophical and incredibly well-meaning and um, brilliant ideas that talk about a future of the world where 
we equalize and disintermediate. And I believe we will absolutely get there. But in the meantime, there's also lots of excellent applications for the technology that aren't quite as uh, profound in that same regard. For us, really, um, the, the eventuation here, the, the outcome of utilizing this technology in this way means that our business itself isn't decentralized, but the ballot box is. So when you vote using a system such as ours, um, that is uh, decentralized in terms of its submission and decentralized in terms of your participation. There's no need to go down to a voting box. And when you vote, um, we have this incredible uh, reality where now your vote is uh, not submitted to or owned or controlled by any government or any institution or any individual. So that unto itself um, is really what provides um, the trust in this system and really why it makes it such a huge leap forward over any traditional kind of uh, voting system. Well, that's brilliant. And I think you're doing a great job, mate. I mean, uh, I certainly follow the progress of, of Horizon State and uh, it's fantastic to hear more about the Indonesia thing, which we'll cover off uh, in just a moment in some more detail as, as and when that suits. But I want to jump onto a different topic right now, and that's really the importance and impact of this social media presence that we see, of course, with cryptocurrency being uh, wholly purchased online in an environment within the window of the internet, it does obviously have a lot to do with things like Facebook, Twitter, Google, and just recently mm. MailChimp. Now, all of these major, and these are major, I mean, this is the voice of a generation. This is not just the voice of a generation, so the, the voice of anybody who's living inactive. If you are living and you're active and you're working and you're running a bill or you're running a business or you're a spending person, you're a consumer, if you're somebody who's of any importance to the development, growth, or, or um, operational function of this planet, you are on the internet. Now, with these major social media platforms, they do capture a huge amount of that internet traffic. Now, with those shutting down uh, things about crypto, I have my opinions on this, and the viewers, sorry, the listeners will be aware of this. And I'll touch on it very briefly after I hear what you have to say, Jamie. But as far as these companies, um, you know, let's just say a flat out ban for the time being on anything crypto. What do you think this will do for crypto? And do you think it's actually the right call that they're making here, mate? The, the market tends to react with bearish sentiment. When, you know, when any of these kinds of advertising bans come into place, uh, it happened with Google and Snapchat and Twitter, uh, MailChimp. But ultimately, I think it's um, a relatively um, irrational um, and uh, probably immature reaction because when you start to really think about the implications of what these bans are, um, it's ultimately going to encourage uh, perceptions of legitimacy and credibility for the entire industry. Uh, there are a lot of people getting burnt. There are a lot of people getting taken advantage of now by illegitimate offerings, mm. by scam offerings, by uh, false promises, by misleading advertising. Uh, and so any sort of self-regulation that we can uh, install outside of awaiting formal regulatory body intervention or legal intervention, I think is a good thing because we all talk about the, you know, the, the prospect of mass adoption of, of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies and crypto assets. Well, the, the longer that people are getting burnt in any significant number um, means that it's only going to hinder the speed of potential adoption. So, look, I'm, I'm all for it, to be honest. Um, I don't know the underlying motivations, of course, for these businesses, but I think um, the end result is actually a net gain for us as a community. And if these organizations are trying to do it to, to slow our progress or innovation, well, then ultimately, I think it's... Um, it's going to backfire on them. Yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment there. And I, I think I'd also like to add one side uh, and a different side to it. So what you've said, I, I wholeheartedly support and back. I think if it takes us, you know, if it takes us another 12 months to get to a point uh, where we start to see, you know, a little bit of regulation, a little bit of understanding uh, and a little bit of institutional money coming in, that's what we need. Uh, people want to have their $6 trillion market. They want to have the gains from that, but they don't want to consider, think, 
at all about how we actually do that. And that comes with market capitalization growing and increasing. The only way to do that is to get more money in. It's very, very, very simple. Now, if you turn the tap on, the money will come. If the tap doesn't exist because it, you know, no one knows what the tap looks like, then the tap can't be turned on in the first place. So they need to create a landscape to stop people getting ripped off and to let that institutional money come through a sense of legitimacy there. But I think one of the other reasons that the Facebooks, the Googles, the, the Twitters, the MailChimps, the Snapchats are doing this is it, you know, in business, we always look at risk. Uh, to them, people getting ripped off is a risk. A, it doesn't look good for them, for one. Uh, B, what can happen is that if you know, a big corporate litigation um, funding company comes along and says, well, hang on, there's been X billion ripped off through, pro, you know, through projects on Facebook, for example. Let's get together a big class action and take that to Facebook. Now, Facebook might have the funds to litigate that out for a long time and just effectively beat the, the fund. I mean, that's a big case, but they don't want that headache and they could lose. So for them, it's like, well, people are being ripped off. I, I like to think that the, the people are good. I, I like to believe that the majority of human beings are good. So I don't lean towards that everyone's out to get everyone. I lean towards the most people are good, some people are not. So the most people are good theory would suggest that Facebook probably doesn't want to see people get ripped off. Like, you know, human being to human being, who likes to see somebody hurt? It doesn't, it's, it's pretty callous for someone to want that. So number one, they don't want to see people getting hurt. And number two, they don't want to see themselves getting hurt. Now they're turning off a revenue stream right there that they're not going to benefit from. Exactly. In the hope that others aren't getting hurt and also in the hope that their risk is minimized by not having these, these, uh, these litigation cases come against them. And, and look, they, they ban all kinds of ads um, that might cause some harm to their user base because ultimately Facebook um, is valuable because they have a large user base who participates within their ecosystem and is exposed to ads. Um, if those people are turned away, that's obviously not good for Facebook. Now, look, some could argue they haven't done enough to ban bad ads. Mm. Uh, obviously, the entire US uh, political scandal is, is an interesting one in regards to uh, <laughs> Russian interference. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think, as I, as I alluded to earlier, ultimately, um, this can only be a good thing. And in terms of, uh, it's funny, I got asked, but what does this mean? Um, and, and what if this prevents the next Ethereum or the next Horizon state? Uh, actually seeing success. Um, and the answer to that is a simple one, which is that we didn't run ads. Uh, you don't need to <laughs> advertise your crypto asset to, to run a successful token sale. And certainly you don't need to advertise your crypto asset to run a successful business. This would be akin to a video game arcade um, running adverts for the tokens that operate their game machines instead of advertising their arcade more generally. It doesn't make a lot of sense. We see it all over the place though. And I have a really good chat um with Kim Jones uh, last week that's now out on the podcast. Well, guys, if you haven't listened to that, we, we cover that very, very well as well in detail as what Jamie's just said. So, I mean, look, with that being said, I mean, with the Facebooks and whatnot to all doing their things, I mean, obviously in this space, you, you alluded to it before about the immaturity uh, in the space. Of course, when we see these types of things, we see all sorts of rubbish if you choose to look uh, about conspiracy theories, the new world order, they're trying to stop this, blah, 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 blah. Now, I want a short, succinct answer from you because I don't think you want to spend too much time on it, nor do I, but I think it's worthwhile pointing out. Do we see this as being a major conspiracy theory or is this just a part of life? Yeah, look, um, most conspiracy theories uh, are relatively easily uh, debunked. Um, uh, the, the bottom line is that most people who exist in this world, regardless of their position, whether they're a CEO or a cleaner, whether they're an investment banker um, or they're a stockbroker or they're somebody who works at the Woolworths uh, checkout, we're all just people. Um, the idea that there is uh, some kind of secret group, which um, we don't really know about that controls everything, 
Uh, and certainly that these institutions are banding together um, to try and shut down innovation in this space. All these concepts are always very, very far-fetched. Um, uh, look, uh, you can't rule any of it out, of course, but um, I, I um, would almost guarantee that there has been no collusion amongst these businesses to shut down these ICO adverts. <laughs> They're just trying to protect their own users, which in turn protects their revenue. All right, we can we can draw a line through that one then. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I agree. Um, now, one other thing that we're seeing, especially at the moment, I mean, obviously the market has had uh, has had a bit of a tumble. Uh, these are normal market forces. We we do discuss this daily in the morning show, but um, with the market having taken a tumble, we are seeing, and especially in crypto, we we do see. You know, I was speaking to a project just recently, and they said, "Oh, you know, if they want to raise fifty million, it's kind of like one hundred and fifty million. They said, "Well, that's yesterday's money." But in crypto, people actually do live on yesterday's money in the sense that all of Ethereum was at $1,400 and it's now at $400, then I still value it at $1,400, which is completely, that's not how the market works. It's, I mean, it just doesn't work that way. But that's the way it thinks. Now, because of this, um, uh, we, with the Ethereum price being down, obviously a lot of tokens being backed by uh, Ethereum wallets and whatnot, what we are seeing, I believe, and what we're seeing across the board, especially in the raising side of things, is that less people are putting... Uh, Ethereum into projects, but also, of course, the projects that are raising Ethereum are raising far less when that converts back to the dollar amount. And now, a lot of the the projects, when they go out and you know they raise their capital, they want their their operating expenses and whatnot. They they are going to have to convert that back to dollars. So they do, you know, there is still the use of dollars. If you're paying a marketing agency, it's unlikely that they're going to accept Ethereum. They're more than likely going to say, well, no, we want to be paid you know, in, in US dollars or Australian dollars or, or whatever the currency may be. Now, because of this, uh, we're starting to see a little bit more institutional financing for ICOs. And it's sort of a lot of people, especially the purists, starting to come away from what the crypto asset space was created for, which was to give, uh, well, it's not just the reason, but we wanted to sort of uh, not just keep feeding back to the to the big players in town and, and give the more, more the little people more of an opportunity. Now, in that regard, what do you think the future holds uh, for this type of investment vehicle, being that we do want to see a pool of more people taking part in raising for these projects as opposed to just a couple of, a couple of VC or private equity firms? Well, look, um, using Horizon State as an example, uh, we're, we're creating a kind of democratized uh, ballot box, a ballot box that's owned by everybody. Um, and in fact, our, our token sale um, was uh, completely removed from institutional investment and um, it was really ended up being about uh, democratizing investment opportunity and democratizing potential wealth generation opportunity. It was, it was for everybody. Um, and nobody that got in at any stage of the sale um, had any, uh, any, any worse position in doing so than um, anyone before them um, without full knowledge. And so obviously, we had a stage release where on day one, there were a high number of tokens returned than otherwise. Um, but there was no uh, additional bonus uh, offered to institutionals. Uh, and no institutional involvement in that process, which I think is really important. And to, to be honest, I feel like it's a little bit of a shame that we've seen the landscape move further towards such heavy institutional involvement. Now, this is partly due to uh, potential concerns regarding regulatory body rulings um, and securities implications. And so I, I appreciate that um, this is all, all almost a little bit of a, a de-risking mechanism for some new token sales. But it's um, it's it's a crying shame that the technology which enables um, democratic and broad participation in investment opportunities uh, kind of is already steering back to um, uh, formats and structures of, of yesteryear. Um, 
I really hope that over the course of 2018 and 2019, as we see some regulatory barriers installed and um, broader consensus about the the, uh, the, the definitions um, and classifications of these assets, uh, because they really are brand new asset class. They don't fall neatly into securities or commodities. They're not necessarily strictly a, a currency. So there's a lot of deep thought that needs to happen all around the world um, about the best ways to protect investors and consumers, but also to uh, not stifle the innovation and not stifle this democratizing quality of this way of fundraising. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good answer on that one, mate. I, I, I appreciate that completely because I think that um, – look, I think with, with crypto at the moment, with the, with the asset class that hasn't really been considered an asset class as, as such in a, in a formal way, um, with it coming off, uh, I think that a lot of people, in, certainly in my experience, people like to have a reason to bury their head in the sand. So if the market's going up and everyone's doing well, they start to go, oh, maybe I should take note of this. And then when they don't do anything and the market falls back, they go, ha, 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 you idiot. How's your Bitcoin going? And we get those sorts of people and you're like, well, it's going great, actually, because the technology is getting better. It's not going anywhere. Why don't you pull your head in? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. why, don't you, why don't you learn about this space as opposed to, oh, perfect, there's, an, there's a reason not to get involved. I'll take that one. But the opportunities are still there. Um, people are still there. It's just about sparking the, the positivity in the space once again and, and, and coming away from these articles, which is, you know, oh, Billy Bob's selling a house in Bankstown with Bitcoin or this bloke's done 600 sit-ups this morning, so look at his six-pack. He's standing next to a Ferrari or, or all these sorts of silly things. And it kind of leads into, you know, where we see the space currently and where it needs to go to mature to a level of acceptance within the broader investment community as well as institutional money. I mean, look, institutional money needs to play its part. I just hope it doesn't play the biggest part, especially not now where we've got an opportunity now for the general public to get involved with something. Uh, if they get educated, of course, we're a big advocate on the show of being educated properly. It's not just about getting into the market. It's about how you do it, what you do, and understanding and being involved in your investments as opposed to just getting in. Um, but I mean, we're seeing right now it is an immature space and some of the larger, largest influences within this space are doing silly things. Um, we see t- lots of talk of HODL which I don't mind. I don't mind the huddle. It's a little bit of a laugh. It's, it's kind of a funny story. But what does uh, frustrate me a little bit is we're going to the moon or we're buying a Lambo or all, all these acronyms and whatnot or just silly, just kind of playground type of chatter, which, look, that's okay. I, I don't mind the playground chatter. If, if you want to be like that, that, that's absolutely fine. But if you are somebody in this space who has a fair bit of, a fair bit of you know, bit of power, not, not so much power, but, you know, a fair bit of swing, within a community, I think you should probably look to how you can improve that sway, how you could help to develop it rather than just staying in your immature little space. Why not help to, you know, like, I guess, long story short, what, what we're trying to do here, Jamie, is we're trying to have a, a constructive conversation about true issues that we see in the space right now, how we can get better, how the space can grow, what the space is. So we're not just trying to educate people that are listening to the show. We're also trying to give you guys an understanding for where we think it needs to go and what we can do, actually do in a positive way to help rather than just going and getting all excited and running around like a schoolgirl, buying bits and pieces and shouting Moon Lambo. What are your thoughts on, on where we are right now in the space and with those sorts of um, the, the influences and, and the major crypto voices that, that may not be doing the space justice and giving it the legitimacy it deserves? On a personal level, uh, it's all very funny. Like it's uh, all the memes. Um particularly amusing. But when you start to think about uh, the implications uh, for the industry and for the asset class and for the blockchain startups, you're right, it doesn't do us 
any favors. I think anybody that's uh, playing in this space now, either uh, as an investor or a developer or whatever the case might be, um, if you would like to see um, mass adoption, if you would like to see uh, your existing bag of whatever it is you're holding uh, increase in value, if you would like to see less of those news stories, uh, which um, make all of this out to, to, look, to, to look like a big joke, um, then you can help by not joking around. Um, and, you know, that's not as fun, obviously. But the HODL and the Moon and the Lambos, um, it absolutely, to reiterate, doesn't do us any favors. Um, there is a, a counter meme, a counter movement, which I'm quite a fan of, which is Biddle, you know, short for or reversed um, build. And so <laughs> uh, it's, it's something, uh, you know, still funny and uh, not necessarily still entirely helpful. But I do think it's important that uh, people pay attention or, or start paying attention really to what's important uh, to, help this, to help this market and this community and these products and the opportunity for everything within um, to mature and, and be more successful. So, look, I think it's just a matter of time, um, but it is also almost unavoidable in the sense that this, this novel new way of fundraising, this, uh, this way of crowdsourcing capital, um, utilizing this technology means that because there are so few barriers, there are quite literally um, kids that are 12 and absolutely many that are 16 and, and um, young adults that are investing um, that haven't necessarily had any opportunity like this ever before. And so when you have young people participating, uh, the mood is sometimes younger. Um, but that's okay. We just need to make sure that there's more people uh, like you promoting um, progress in this space and, and helping spread the word that um, the kind of behaviors and attitudes that we see so much of uh, isn't really helping their cause. They're working against themselves. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, mate. Well done. Um, okay, so just a final, I mean, a couple, there's a couple more things I do want to ask you, but I, I want to sort of, you know, maybe freestyle a little bit more. But, you know, on the broader opportunity in blockchain, you know, obviously we've got a pretty good grip as to what's going on. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm probably pretty old for the space, <laughs> uh, especially when you were saying the, uh, the, the, the ages of people that are getting involved at the moment, which is fantastic and they've got a great opportunity. But I mean, we can kind of see what's coming. I've studied the dot-com boom and bust, uh, and I'm not, you know, trying to relate and say that we're in the same sort of market. But we kind of have got that as a measure. Um, you know, the opportunity, the broader opportunity in blockchain. Obviously, with Horizon State, you've you've noticed an area there uh, with the democratization uh, and using the blockchain for what you're doing. What, why is it so important? Not just for the currency. But for society as a whole, and I know you've answered a, a fair chunk of that already uh, in relation to Horizon State, but I want to sort of disjoint the question from a, a direct response from like relation to relating to Horizon State and more for the general society out there. I think the easiest way to answer that question is probably to give a, view, a few very quick examples of how this technology is being used elsewhere. Sometimes um, it is uh, in a relatively typical, uh, typically viewed uh, sort of uh, blockchain business establishment and foundation and incorporation. And other times, it's about things like private and permission chain, um, which I know that a lot of uh, blockchain and, and Bitcoin purists um, sort of turn their nose up at. But the bottom line is that um, all of these technologies which relate to the underlying and core benefits can be applied in numerous ways for numerous purposes. Some of them are stop gaps. Some of them are good now. Some of them won't be good for a long time. Um, but we've got PowerLedger over in Perth uh, creating opportunities for peer-to-peer -peer energy trade. So this means that um, Joe can have some solar panels um, on his roof and a power uh, Tesla power wall um, outside mounted on, on the wall. And any excess energy has can be automatically traded with neighbors who need more energy. So creating a peer-to-peer -peer local marketplace utilizing this kind of tech. 
um, we've got numerous businesses working in distributed file storage. So instead of storing your files with Dropbox or with OneDrive um, or with Google Drive, uh, instead you remove ownership of, of your data from them and you distribute it amongst your peers, amongst this um, trustless uh, network of individuals where your file might get cut up into hundreds of thousands or millions of pieces. Uh, redundancy for each piece will be created and then it gets stored elsewhere. Uh, and only you have the sort of the private key conceptually to access that data. So it's it's all quite profound when you start to think about the implications. Um, medicine and and um, uh, you know th that entire industry um, is also um, seeing a lot of opportunity here. Being able to provide ownership, holistic, top-down, bird's-eye view ownership of your entire medical record to you as the individual, and have you serve up um, access to bits and pieces of your medical record to various um, bodies as needed and as you choose. Um, is is another great area for innovation, and, and similarly with um, identity and the ownership of your data. So this entire sort of Facebook saga probably could have been avoided uh, if if our identity and our data was self sovereign, and we were issuing up uh, and charging for our information in some way, shape, or form, rather than basically giving our data away to a company like Facebook uh, in exchange for the service they provide us. Yeah, so as you can hear, guys, there are many, many use cases for the blockchain and for this space to grow. It's not just a currency space. It's a business space that has an opportunity to help to give us a bit more freedom back to help you as an investor uh, or just a user uh, have more choice, more opportunity and more control ultimately. Now, Jamie, the last thing I wanted to sort of cover on is what you touched on earlier. You spoke of something to do with Horizon State with Indonesia. Now, of course, like any good podcast show or TV show for that matter, if I have you as someone who I am interviewing and you give me a half scoop, I'm going to go for the full scoop. So I'm sure that the people that are listening that have not heard of Horizon State or that have heard of Horizon State are going to be dead set going to attack me if I don't ask you to elaborate a little bit more on that. So um, look, for those of you who follow me on social, um, you have already been paying attention to some of the progress we're making. And look, a bit of a recap, especially if you're new, um, we've already had um, a lot of success and a, a huge amount of promise uh, in numerous areas. Um, conversations in Afghanistan. Uh, I've got another meeting with a, uh, a Victorian council next week. Uh, we have partnerships with various United Nations IGOs uh, and with SAP. Um, so there's there's been uh, an incredible amount of uh, interest. And for the first time in my entrepreneurial career, we've had this wonderful problem of a, a customer pipeline that is 30 and 40 opportunities long. Um, and an endless continued stream of knocks on the door is, is happening as opposed to us needing to proactively chase. Now, Indonesia, it seems like, might be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, um, that we have over coming years. We, um, we're currently engaged. Um, and look, one of these already has a release. So if anybody wants to head along to our, um, our Medium account, our Medium blog sort of account, um, do that and um, you'll see there or pinned to the top of our Twitter profile as well, uh, at Horizon State. Um, we have a significant uh, opportunity within an Indonesian province, um, which means that our technology will be used by the residents of that promise, uh, prov province, sorry, uh, and that means millions of people using our tech. Um, then there is uh, a second opportunity, which I've alluded to uh, on Twitter just recently, which is, is far, far bigger. We're talking tens of millions of people uh, in Indonesia using our tech. And this is for one of Indonesia's uh, largest communities. Uh, and we're drafting some more information that can be released about this uh, very, very soon. Um, and uh, most excitingly is that these are just two uh, of five or potentially six large-scale deployments of our technology uh, in a country with over 200 million people. So we're talking um, about mass adoption all of a sudden um, 
uh, it's it's one of those situations where um, you see uh, you see a lot of grinding, um, you see a lot of uh, talk and positive movement towards um, these big milestone moments, and then um, it sort of just happens all at once. Now, obviously, nothing is an overnight success, and most overnight successes have been many years in the making, and and that's no different here. But um, this is moving really really fast, and uh, we're incredibly excited um, to not only be offering the opportunity for residents to do things such as vote, um, but engage in, in brand new ways that not only make the vote more secure, more efficient, uh, and more cost-effective, but have them actually improve the quality of the outcomes uh, for the problems that face them in their community, improve the quality uh, of information delivery, and ultimately uh, create a richer, more harmonious societies as we work towards those uh, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So, um, look, it's it's been... Um, quite a privilege to be working in this space and, and not only be working on big tech, cool tech, uh, brand new emerging tech, but stuff that can really have a p- positive impact on on people's lives all around the world. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, well, that is a pretty amazing scoop there, mate. Thank you for that. I'm sure the listeners are going to be running around doing their own research because they're intelligent people and they know that they've got to do their own research and go through and research projects that they understand and believe in for a long-term investment. <laughs> um guys thank you oh sorry jamie thank you so much what last thing mate for people to plug into everything horizon state where would they find more what is the best avenue for this and what can you give them to find out more about you uh look horizon state um head to horizonstate.com uh please join our telegram community uh, which is slash Horizon State. Uh, we also have a Reddit presence uh, if you want to come along and have a chat there. Uh, if you'd like to follow along personally, then myself and the CTO are both active on social. You'll find me uh, as Jamie Skeller on, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. And Nemo Namani, uh, our CTO, uh, also gets around on, on Twitter and LinkedIn pretty frequently. So lots of places uh, to continue following the journey. Um, but we have people in our Telegram group around the clock um, talking to the community and answering questions and engaging with them. So that's probably the main place to be um, if you want to engage in a discussion and ask any more questions. Um, and to anybody listening that's already there, um, obviously just to be thank you to the community. It's uh, This is all possible because of their support uh, and their advocacy and um, them talking about us basically. Every time um, someone creates a, a new thread on, on Reddit or goes and spreads the word across their social, um, we get a, a whole lot of a whole lot more people that are suddenly awakened to the possibilities that this technology presents um, and to the, the hard work we're doing to uh, to try and to try and work towards the eradication of corruption uh, around the world. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal for us. Well that's excellent. And on that thank you, uh, I will have your Reddit and Telegram uh, and the link just below on the podcast here guys. So you can all click on there and uh, and get stuck into that. So thank you so much, Jamie Skeller, for your time today, guys. Listen, one thing I want to get across right now is this. What you just heard is from somebody who is running a project who's just given you a huge breakdown of information, not only on the space, but also on the progress of the Horizon State in this example, uh, token and the business and what they're doing. Now, the only reason I've got somebody of this caliber on this show is because you guys are out there in Slack, you're in Telegram, you're on Facebook, you're in all the groups and you're saying, hey, get along and listen to this Trader Cobb Crypto podcast. That's why we're the number one right now. That's why we're doing so well. And that's why I can continue to have high caliber guests on here. If you want to hear more guests like this of Jamie's caliber, then you guys need to continue to put your comments, give me the ratings and share this throughout your groups. Guys, I thank everybody here. Thank you once again, Jamie. And uh, I wish you all the best going forward. Thanks for having me, mate. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. Check out TraderCobb.com because experience matters. 